as we come around the Lord's table, it's a very, very special time for us as a church because it's time, a time when those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ remember and give thanks to God for all that he's done. It's a very important time for us. And the significance of it lies in the fact that without what Jesus did on the cross, we couldn't know God personally. See, the Bible talks clearly about the fact that every single person has sinned. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person has turned away from God, has thought thoughts that were just not God's, God's will. They've chosen to have attitudes that are sinful, full of hate, anger. And every single person has done that and sinned. And if that weren't enough, the outcome or outworking of that is terrible. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But also the Bible says that our sin separates us from God. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 59 verse 2. It says, But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. The truth is that while we have sin in our life that is not forgiven, while the sin, the attitudes, the things that we've done are not forgiven, we can't have a relationship with God. And that would be terrible for us because we'd know isolation and loneliness and separation from the God who made us to have a relationship with him. But God sent Jesus, his son, to die on the cross so that when he died, he would be taking upon himself our sin. When he rose again, he conquered death and he conquered sin. And now today, people who put their faith in Jesus Christ can know the God who sits next to them personally. Matthew 27, verses 50 to 51 says, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice while he was on the cross, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. And the temple uh, had a separating curtain that would separate the people from God, the holy of holies. And you weren't allowed to enter that part. But when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn in two, meaning that ordinary people would no longer be separated from God through Jesus' death. This here means that we don't have to be cut off from God. We can know him personally. That's why Paul wrote in Romans 8, 38 and 39, For I am convinced... I'm convinced, I can imagine him writing it like that and sort of really strongly, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ 
Jesus, our Lord. It's faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for my sin, for your sin, for all who put their faith in him that helps us know the God who sits next to us. As we come to give thanks for that, Aaron, a deacon from our church, he's going to lead us in prayer. Thanks, Aaron. Let's pray. Lord, what a, um, what a honour and a privilege it is to come to your table, Lord, and uh, to take part in, in the bread and, uh, and the juice, Lord, that represents your broken body for us. And, Lord, the, the, the great thing about it all is, Lord, that when you uh, died on the cross for each and every one of us, Lord, you extended your hand uh, to us, to... Um, the least of us and to the greatest of us, Lord, to all of us as ordinary human beings, Lord, you extended your hand uh, in offering us a relationship with you. And, Lord, that is just something that um, is hard to uh, fathom and imagine. And, Lord, yeah, it's because of that and, Lord, it's because of this love that you have for us that we can, that we can come to you, Lord, that we can hand to you the things that separate us from you. And Lord, we want to do that now. We want to hand over those things that are blocking our relationship with you. Lord, if we just take the, the time now to hand that to you. Lord, we thank you that um, through your death, that when we are weak, through you we can be made strong. Lord, that the poor in heart and spirit, it can be made rich in, in just knowing you and having a relationship with you. Lord, that the broken can say that they're whole. Lord, we, we come to you this morning and we just want to thank you. We want to thank you for your love for us, Lord, for your death on the cross and what it means to us now. Amen. So as we come to share in this meal. It's for those who put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ for their forgiveness of sin. And if that's you, we just invite you to share in this meal. If you're not in a point where you've given your life to Jesus or you're not wanting to do that right now, then you just say, just let this go. You know, keep praying. Keep asking God to reveal himself to you. Keep coming to see um, whether you'll be willing to bow the knee before Jesus. As you served these uh, elements, we're going to give you the, the bread and we just ask that as you receive that, if you would just eat it as you served. And as you eat it, remember that Christ died for you. He paid for your sin. He died in your place. And then as you serve the cup, why don't you hold on to that and we'll drink that together. And what we'll be really saying is, although uh, Christ is leading people to trust in him today and to be saved personally, He's also doing something wider in the world. He's building his church and you're part of it. As we drink together, we'll acknowledge that there's unity in us who believe in Jesus Christ. So let's share in this meal together. Let's, let's celebrate and give thanks. Wondering what I'm up to. Um, I thought this morning as we talk about the God who sits next to you, 
that we'd ask uh, Peter Marshall to come up and just to share with us a little bit how his faith in God and knowing a God who sits next to you affects his work. So why don't you welcome Peter Marshall as he comes up. Thanks, Peter. Welcome. Hi, Jonathan. Now, Peter, you're, um, some people sort of lead a couple of people and in an organisation and that, but you're the CEO of Wodonga. It's a pretty big job, hey? Yeah, it um, gets challenging at times, but it's a great privilege to, to lead an organisation for a city as large as Wodonga. And a, a How great big city. is it? How, how big is Wodonga? How Wodonga's many people? Wodonga's 35,000 people at the moment, but it's growing and um, it's wow. going to be a much bigger city over time. Great. Set in faith. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's happening. So 35,000 people that you kind of, you know, that live here, that you're Chief Executive Officer, but in the council, they're, they're people that are directly related relating to you. How many people would be on staff at the council? There's about 400 staff at the council. Wow. Up. Uh, not all full-time. There's about 230 effective full-time positions. So quite a lot of people all uh, working for our community here. Wow. Yeah. So um, I imagine, you know, to make a lot of decisions in this area and oversee, you know, kind of 400 staff and things like that, it'd be a pretty busy week for you, normal week. Is that right? Yeah, weeks are usually pretty full on. Um, the, uh, the challenge is always to find uh, enough time. People always want your time. And yeah. um, it's for me to put my time where I can make the biggest difference for our city. Yeah. And usually my week uh, starts with Mondays with the councillors. So they're the leaders that are elected by our community. And um, every week we get together and we talk about the previous week or the week ahead and particularly the big projects and where we're going as a city and what we want our city to become. Mm. Um, and a big focus on community engagement, actually strengthening our community. So that's kind of my Monday. And then my Tuesday I meet with my executive team and we work out how we're going to help the council achieve what it's set, set out to do and what they asked us to do the day before. And then Wednesdays, Thursdays for me are usually away days. They're the days that um, I go to where the decision makers are that influence our city's future, the ones in government or private sector, um, because they're generally not here. Um, mm. We have to go to them to get attention. So that's my th Wednesday, Thursdays. And then Fridays I, um, I meet with our um, kind of exec team and we talk about how they're going individually, their work plans, the things they're working on. They've got so many things that they actually have to do. Mm. And then at the end of the week, the very last session at the end of the week, which is my favourite session, is where we, um, we talk about the highlights for the week and that is the best part. And I think all Wodonga should do that, get to the end of the week and celebrate the highlights for the week. So celebrating all the achievements, that's yeah. great. And this week's been particularly busy, you've been travelling a bit as well? Yeah, this week was a different week in that I went to Hobart to a national conference for local government managers. So it was about 500 CEOs and sort of senior executive people there. And we got some great speakers. We had Jeff Kennett, we had Peter Cosgrove and a few others talking about leadership mm. in Community Place. And then uh, Melbourne for the budget breakfast with the Premier and the Treasurer and his Cabinet Ministers. And that was 
great to be there too because you got them all in the one room at once. And mm. if you stand between them and the door, you get the chance to talk to them it's, uh, <laughs> about your projects. It's uh, just one of those skills you learn over the years. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, mm. Peter, tell me there, at Wodonga at the moment, as a city there, uh, what, are there some things that are giving you some great joy? Like I, I saw you on uh, TV, on the news on Friday night about predicted growth and, you know, I, I see ads about the white box rise, you know, new housing mm. going along and there's something like a, something about a redevelopment somewhere mm. or something, reallocation, is it? Yeah, of yeah, something? a railway line's going to move. It's in the process of moving and uh, we'll see some really big um, equipment out there before the end of this year doing the work and it's about two years after they start that it'll all be finished. And then the heart of our city will be redeveloped. So it's quite an exciting time. And we're seeing so much more residential land just about to come on the market. So it's a very important time for our city because our growth slowed with the price of land going up and we're about to sort of get ourselves back in the game in mm. the next three to five years, which mm. will be fantastic. Great. Mm. So, Peter, I wonder, how long ago was it that you, um, you know, gave your life to Jesus and he became the sort of leader of your life. When, when did that happen? Well, Jill and I have been involved in uh, the Anglican Church over years when we lived at Ararat and then at Mirabarah. Um But we actually never quite understood. We never had a personal relationship with the Lord. And it's when we came here in 95, um, it was a tough time for us, um, at both work-wise, where there was a lot of change happening, but also for us personally, um, it was probably the lowest time in our lives. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I met a gentleman called uh, Rob Mulhook, who was a leader at this church, mm -hmm. and he was a great guy, and he got me to meet another guy from this church, Graham Smith. And mm -hmm. uh, most people know Graham here, and Graham just didn't give up on me, and he uh, invited me here and at a service in March. Uh, in 97, 1997 was uh, the day, I guess, I gave my life to the Lord, invited him into my heart, and uh, that was great, and I've been coming ever since. Wow, mm. great. Tell me, uh, Peter, when it comes to leading and, and your work and all that, how does having a relationship with God make a difference? Um, well, it makes a huge difference because um, you, I guess you learn not to rely on your own strength, and it's such a, a, uh, a natural thing to do when you're in pressure situations to try and make it all happen yourself and mm. for me um, I guess I've got a calmness and a, and a peace now um, knowing that what's going to happen is going to happen in God's time and if it's got to be God's plan and um, so it just makes it that much easier when you're dealing with the challenging situations and I always find um, what helps me through the day or through a part of the day is to, to pray before tough meetings Pray for wisdom and pray for the words in terms of when you're the one that's there that's got to, you know, I guess represent the city and um, get the outcomes for the city. Mm. That would make a difference, praying, you know, about big decisions and doing that. Oh, well, some of the decisions our councillors make are going to make a huge difference for our community yeah. way into the future, you know, 50-year planning horizons for some things and they're tough things and, and there's also sort of day-to-day -day things where you're dealing with people's lives and mm. things that totally affect their future and, and it's, um, it's something that you need to be very mindful of, um, 
of that and mm. pray for wisdom and pray f- for the right way to deal with that situation. Mm. And Peter, Wodonga is a great city and lots of lovely people in Wodonga, but n- not all of them are always happy. Um, and I'd, I'd guess that you would get some criticism as the yeah. CEO of the city. How does you know, knowing that God's with you and having a relationship with him help you when you're facing you know, sometimes really strong criticism? Um, well, I guess um, you can only behave the right way yourself. And, and yes, there were some tough times last year in the lead-up to the state election. It was a particularly tough period where a certain group of people were very focused on um, getting the outcomes they wanted and I was seen to be one of the people that stood in their way. Mm. for some reason, and uh, it gets tough. And I, and I guess, um, you know, there was a lot of prayer at that time from this church, people in this church and our friends, which helped a lot. And I think going back to just saying, well, God, if you want me here, if this is uh, your plan, then I know you'll look after it, me mm. and, um, and my family. And Jill uh, had to go through all of that as well. And I guess if you rely on God and um, the thing I learned, I guess, or one of the things that I went back to is about loving uh, your enemies as well. And even though you might not set out for them to be your enemies, in a leadership position, people can see you as their enemy. So um, loving them um, and praying for them. I've even prayed for those people Mm. who were out there having a big go. And um, it just helps. It helps you get through the day. Mm. Mm. That's great, Peter. Mm. Um, so having this relationship with God helps you not only in your, in your work uh, well, but it's also helped you at times when you've been, you know, um, when you face significant loss. And you, you, you want to tell us about when your father died? Yeah, well, I think I know why I um, became a Christian in 97. It's because my dad um, came down with cancer in 98 and... Um, he only actually lived three weeks after that. Um, mm. and, I, and I guess um, I got this chance to actually talk to him about it. And um, I was in a situation where like, I would never be able to live with myself if I didn't try and mm. get him to give his life to the Lord. And um, it was only about a week from when I knew he had cancer to when he almost went into a coma. So I got a chance on uh, Christmas Day, I think it was, 1998, mm. to just a bit of time together and I didn't know what I was going to say to him but I prayed about it and um, uh, I guess it just came but I said to him, do you want to see me again? Mm. Um, and he said, yes, I do. And I said, well, I think I know how. Um, if you give your life to the Lord, if you say, pray this prayer with me, we'll see each other again. Mm. And he prayed the prayer. I couldn't believe it because he was a great man but he wasn't a Christian. Mm. He was loved by a lot of people but he... He never knew the Lord, mm. and I'm sure the Lord wanted me to do that. That's why he brought me to him first so that he could get my dad there. It's mm. great. Mm. Great having a God who's next to you when you're going through yeah. times like that and helping lead others to know him too. Yeah, and he, um, he almost went into a coma that day, and then about two days later he sat up in bed one night when we were there and um, with my sister and he said, I'm not afraid. Mm. I know what's happening. Mm. And then he just, that was it. Mm. Two days later he was gone. Wow. Mm. There you go. Hey, Peter, thanks for sharing with us. And um, I wonder, all of us, not, not all of us are CEOs, but we're all at workplaces 
each day. And I think the things you've said encourage us in, in that. You know, is there anything you want to say to people who are just every day? Well, well I think uh, the message yourself and Mandy have given this morning about God is there, he's beside you, he's right with you. Um, and the challenge is to rely on him when the things are tough. And mm. we all face really tough things where we don't know the way through. We don't even know if what we're doing is actually the right thing. Mm. And so pray for him to show you the way, um, the path, and to be your strength. Um, mm. I pray that I, that I can be humble and I pray that uh, he will give me the wisdom and the words um, mm. to, to deal with the situation. I think everyone... Mm can do that. Mm. Would we be able to pray for you now and just pray for your role that you continue to be a great example of what God's like? Thanks, Let's pray. Jesus. God, we just want to thank you for this city and uh, we thank you that you uh, really care about the people here in this city and that you want us uh, as a city to be led well. And God, we thank you for people who serve, who really seek to serve the people of this city and to make it a place where uh, people can come where uh, families uh, can, can, can live and interact with other people. God, when, where people can start businesses and, and people can um, just live their lives in a way that's safe and fair and just. And we thank you that you raise up leaders that are just passionate about doing that. And God, we want to thank you that you've given us a, a godly leader in, in Peter too. And we just pray that every day as he seeks to make decisions that affect our city, that you just continue to be strengthening him, uh, comforting him in the tough times, and God, uh, helping him know that you're with him. And God, we just pray uh, that you would continue to, to lead him as he uh, leads this city. And we just give you thanks for all the things that he's shared and uh, help us to know that you're with us every, every day, available to lead us and help us. Thanks, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Peter. Let's thank him. And just in the time um, that we've got left uh, together this morning, I just wanted to share just a few thoughts um, about the God who sits next to you, the God who's with you and sits next to you. I just want to share three uh, kind of things this morning. Um, the God who sits next to you in your life comes alongside you as an eyewitness to the things that you do. Uh, he's there observing everything that takes place in your life. In the Bible, uh, Moses is a great godly leader and he's a, a great example of someone who knew that God was with him. And uh, Moses is an interesting guy because Moses was a Jewish uh, guy who was in Egypt and he was brought up in Egyptian royalty and through these strange circumstances, he ended up being brought up within the, in the palace. And he was being groomed and getting ready now to be the leader in Egypt, yet he was a Jew. And what happened was uh, at the time, Jewish people were being treated unfairly by the Egyptians. And so one day he went out to have a look at, uh, around and see what was going on. And he could see the Jewish people getting taken advantage of as slaves in Egypt. And he saw while he was walking a Jewish person getting beaten up, savagely beaten by an Egyptian. And Moses within him just grew out this rage, this 
righteous anger, which is the right thing. When you see someone getting beaten, it's, it's a right response to be angry. But he did the wrong thing in his anger. And what he did was really not appropriate. Exodus uh, chapter 2 and verse 12 says, glancing this way and that. Now, he was looking around, and I want you to remember that we're talking about Moses, uh, the guy who received the Ten Commandments from God on Mount Sinai, the spiritual icon, uh, the one who is a great example, leading the children of Israel out of uh, Egypt. Moses, it says, verse 12, glancing this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand, thinking, no one will know. No one will be able to see. Moses did that. He thought he could hide from God. He thought he could hide from others. And he thought that if no one knew, it would be okay. And you know, it's true. The, the God who sits next to you sees everything that happens in your life. He's an eyewitness of every event. There's no such thing as a closed uh, boardroom door. There's no such thing as a closed bedroom door. Uh, there's no such thing as a, a hidden agenda or a secret thing that God doesn't see. And you know, uh, David, King David, when he was uh, looking out over his kingdom, he saw Bathsheba bathing and he wanted to, to sleep with her. So he slept with her and he got her husband killed, organised for that. And he thought no one would see. You know, he kind of looked left and right and kept it hidden just like Moses did. But God saw. And so he sent Nathan the prophet to him and said, this is your sin. God has seen you. And, you know, David, King David later on would write these words in Psalm 139 and verses 7 to 10. This is what he wrote. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there you will be my guide. Your right hand will hold me fast. David had learned an important lesson that you can't hide from God, that the God who sits next to you is an eyewitness in your daily life. I think about that, I'm reminded about um, a carpet layer who was laying carpet at a lady's house. And when he'd finished laying all the carpets uh, in the house, he noticed that his cigarettes had fallen out of his shirt pocket. And uh, he looked down and there was a lump there where his cigarettes were under the carpet. He looked left and he looked right, you know, make sure no one was looking. And he got out his hammer and he flattened down the cigarettes right there and just flattened them out. And he got back into his ute and he was just writing out the invoice for the work that he'd done. And he just noticed next to him on the front seat in the car, his packet of cigarettes. And just as he noticed that, the lady came out of the front door and she said, has anyone seen where our baby guinea pig has gone? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for you animal lovers. That was a terrible joke. <laughs> but you know... Uh, Sometimes we, we look left and right and we think that no one will know. Don't we? We, we act as though God doesn't know. But the truth is that nothing is hidden from God. He knows. He knows everything. And he's always with us and he, he sees it all. Um, 
Sometimes we act like Moses. Sometimes we act like David. We look to the left and to the right. You know, we think to ourselves, I can talk to my spouse like this. I can talk to my spouse like an inconsiderate pig behind closed doors and no one will know. Sometimes we think I can put someone down at work behind their back. I, I can gossip about them and no one will know. They won't know what I'm saying about them. Sometimes we can uh, think, I can just steal some of the stuff from the office, you know, like some stationery and some paperwork and stuff like that. No one will ever know. We think we can do that. You, we think, I can just visit some adult websites, you know, and uh, if everyone else is out of the house, no one will know. Uh, I think Peter kind of knew as he was sharing with us that, you know, when his life wasn't going right in those toughest times, that he couldn't fool God. And I think we know that too. The reason I think that God wants to know what's going on in our life, why he wants to be an eyewitness in everything, is not some dastardly plan to try and find out all your sin and that he takes delight in finding out what's wrong and judging you about it. Now, I think the reason God wants to know everything about us and come alongside us as an eyewitness in our life is because he loves us and nothing will stop him from wanting to be with us and to know his presence. He loves us so much that he wants to uh, see us and he wants to be with us and he's interested in your future and he wants to, a relationship with you. Uh, honestly, I've got to tell you, I get sometimes a little bit com- uncomfortable when I think about a God who sits next to me as an eyewitness in everything I do. Sometimes I think to myself, oh God, if you know all this about me, I've got to make my life change so that what I believe matches up with what I do. And that is a good thing, knowing that the God who sits next to me is an eyewitness in that. God wants to help me to bring my behaviour in line with his expectations of my behaviour. And knowing that he's right next to me helps me do that. Uh, There are many times in, in my life also, though, where I need direction and where I need wisdom and when I need strength for the things that I'm doing in my life and the things that I'm facing, all the challenges that I face. And that's why I'm thankful that God sits next to me, not only as an eyewitness, but that he also sits next to me, secondly, as a companion in every situation. He's an eyewitness, but he's also a companion in every situation that I face. Uh, when we think about that, uh, I think it reminds me of, of when we, we don't know what to do. And what Peter was saying, I'm just going to cry out to God and I'm going to ha- ask for his help. I'm going to pray. Remember how he was saying that whenever big decisions come into his life and right through the day, he would just be praying and asking God to guide him and help him, especially when we fear what the outcome might be in the future. It reminds me of Isaiah 41.10 where God says these words. He says, do not fear For I am with you. I'm with you. He goes on to say, do not be dismayed, 
for I am your God. And he says, I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The God who sits next to you wants to come alongside as your companion and strengthen you and guide you in every situation. He wants to help you in your life, just like when Peter would pray for things. He wants us to be people that would be praying each day to help in those situations. Um, I think we all want that, don't we? I, I think we all would like a supernatural partner, someone who would partner with us in our day, help us be people that, you know, would help, help us be people that when we're alone know that God is with us, next to us. Help us when we're uh, in our marriages to be the kind of people who have, a, have God with us to strengthen us to be great husbands, to be great wives. To help us uh, when we're trying to parent our kids, uh, when we're trying to be good in the work that we do in our relational worlds. But I know that I, I think what's true is that some of you people though, and many of us, have never known what it's like to have a father who would come alongside and help us and strengthen us in our decisions. See, some of you grew up with an abusive father. Some of you uh, grew up with a a distant father who just remained detached and distant from you. Some of you uh, grew up with an absent father who was just never around. And when you hear that God our Heavenly Father wants to sit next to you as a companion in your life to help you in your daily decisions and your walk. You might say, Jonathan, that's really hard for me to understand because I just don't know what it's like to have a father like that. I wonder if you know who Dr. Phil is. You heard of him? He's on middle of the day TV kind of and he talks with people about situations in their life and tries to find out ways to help them, you know, and it's all on TV, very interesting. Um, and Dr Phil, though, a lot of the advice that he gives is some pretty wise advice. And, in fact, some of the things that he gives, much of his advice actually is uh, based on scripture. And uh, he uses many scriptural principles. And I... I heard about an interview that was done with him in a Christian magazine not so long ago about his faith and his spiritual journey. And in that interview, he talked about um, something that his dad said to him one time that I think really resonates with us knowing a a God who sits next to us. Um, The truth is Dr. Phil had a really tough childhood uh, and growing up, he had a father who was an alcoholic and they, they had very uh, contentious sort of relationship where they'd argue a lot. And um, his dad actually eventually got help uh, with his a- alcoholism and he started to sober up and he actually found God's power to help him. Uh, he found the God who sits next to him and uh, helped him with that addiction. And he began to nurture then his relationship with his son, Phil McGraw. And so... Um, his dad said to Phil, Dr. Phil one day, he said, do you know why I'm working so hard on this? Do you know why I'm working so hard on this? And Dr. Phil said, I guess it's because you feel guilty you've been so bad. And he said, well, yeah, that's part of it. Then he said, but the truth is that I know your relationship with your heavenly father will be a reflection of your relationship with your worldly father. 
And he said, if you don't trust me and you don't respect me and you don't feel like you can count on me, then you will never trust and respect and count on your heavenly father. And he said, the worst thing that I can do for you is to take away that from you. And I don't want that to happen because I'm going to die, he said. And you're, going to have a, a, you're not going to have an earthly father to turn to. And you're going to have to have a heavenly father to turn to. He said, you're going to have to have a heavenly father to turn to. And some of you really understand that because you, you've perhaps lost your father at an early age or you've never really known him to be there. And you're going to have to have a heavenly father to turn to. Some of you might be able to say today, you know, I never had a dad who would give me advice on my first date. I never had a dad who would help me buy my first house. He, he just wasn't there. Or I didn't have an early earthly father who helped me when I was trying to decide who I should marry or whether I should move here or take this job. My dad was never around. And you know the Psalms talk about God as being a father to the fatherless. A father to the fatherless. And in my life I've had to learn to depend on a heavenly father. And some of you may really need to do that today. Because the truth is you've got a, a heavenly father who deep down wants to come alongside of you, to be your companion, to help you in all that you're facing. And you know the truth, talking to guys right now, uh, you know, some guys find it very hard to, to do that, to ask for help of the God who sits next to them. I'm talking about pig shooting guys here now or... Uh, you know, guys that just uh, love to, to, to go four-wheel driving or motorbike riding. You know, I'm talking to farmers who have calloused hands from all the hard work that they've done on their own, you know. Uh, I'm talking about guys that go weightlifting to show that they're strong. You know, guys, we, we need a heavenly father who we can turn to and help who can help us as a companion. You know, I'm, I'm, we need to be able to admit that we need him and we need to be able to do that. I'm learning in my life that when I'm in the thick of things, when things just seem overwhelming, when I feel like I'm just getting hammered and circumstances are kind of out of control and when there's uh, you know, something in my life that I'm feeling like, oh, I'm just ready to quit, you know, when those things start to happen, when I'm facing enormous decisions, I'm so thankful that I have a God who sits next to me, who wants to be with me and to help me and to guide me. I think it takes courage to admit that you need him. Peter Marshall today was sharing that in his job, he needs to cry out to God for help. He needs to be praying to help him do this job because lives are affected. And you and your daily life, the things that you do affect other people and God's sitting right next to you saying, just ask me for help. Ask me for help. It begins by admitting that you need him. You know, yesterday we were at 
men's breakfast at Cafe Grove. And uh, together while we were there, you know, we just uh, said, well, why don't we share? And people started sharing together some of the things that God's been doing in people's lives. And these tough, macho men opened up and shared. And it was great. And God was able to just encourage us. So the God who sits next to you comes alongside of you as an eyewitness. He comes alongside of us as a companion, if we'll only admit that we need him. And finally, just today, I want to share with you the God who uh, sits next to you, who wants to come along as a companion and, and an eyewitness, also comes along and he wants to comfort you through difficult times. He wants to be with you through all that you're facing. Um, I think that's what Peter experienced when he talked about sometimes facing criticism from people. And uh, when, when we were talking there, you know, Peter was, was saying, you know, in, in those times he wants to uh, be able to cry out to God and, and love his enemies rather than, you know, respond in the way that he, he does. You know, he'd be tempted to. He doesn't do that. <laughs> I think also Peter shared, you know, that when he was in his grief, uh, facing his dad, just knowing that he would see, get to see his dad again, knowing that now his dad trusted in, in God, that brought great comfort to him as well. And I know he said that through some of the most difficult times, people from this church that have encouraged him and prayed for him, and, and, and that's been a comfort where God's come alongside and comforted him through you. Uh, I know that many of you in this room today have really had to deal with some tough things in your life. D- deal with, dealing with loss that is just so significant and so challenging. And some of you have had to face with some deals that are so hard uh, to get through. And I know some of you had to sell cattle this year. You know, and uh, to actually, the cattle that you hoped would bring you, you know, profit had to let go. I know some of you have had to, uh, this year, face the challenge of going through treatment and treatment for cancer and treatment for other illnesses. And in the midst of that, you just had to face that. Some of you have had kids that have been getting bullied at school and you know, you wish you could just go with them and be with them all day and protect them, and yet you've had to try and help them through that. And some of you have been looking for work and, you know, you're sort of at the point almost where just putting in another job application might mean another slap in the face that you just don't think you could take anymore. And just want to let you know, uh, Psalm 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are being crushed in spirit. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are being crushed in spirit. What God's saying is that he's here right next to you if you're hurting. He wants to come alongside of you and help you and help you through. You know, um, after getting his life together, Dr. Phil's dad, he went to seminary and he studied theology and he actually became a Sunday school teacher. And the interesting thing is that at the age of 72, 
he was awarded uh, his diploma for his Masters of Divinity. And uh, at 72 years of age, he was teaching in a Sunday school class. And uh, just three months after receiving that, you know, Master's diploma, while he was in front of the kids, he had a massive heart attack. And before he'd hit the ground, he, he was dead. And he died there. What a way to go, hey? Teaching Sunday school kids. Uh, Dr. Phil talks about how, yeah, they would have been freaked out, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> but Dr. Phil uh, talks about how at that time uh, he had a, a, a faith and a comfort from someone who was greater than himself, someone who walked with him through the grief. And he knew the faith that his dad had uh, of having a God that sits next to him. Now, there's a, a great pastor called Dr. Donald Barnhouse, and his first wife died of cancer when she was in her 30s. And they found uh, uh, that after she died, what, what she left behind was four kids and a, and a husband, and all the four kids were just under 12. So this pastor had to look after the four kids under 12 years old and he decided that at the funeral, you know, God had been so good to him through his, his grief of losing, losing his wife that he would actually give the message. So he was driving to the funeral with the four kids under 12 in the car ready to give the message and as he's driving along, a truck passes the car and casts a shadow right over the car and he said to the kids, and in the back seat, he said, hey, kids, would you rather be run over by the truck or the shadow of a truck? And the kids said, well, Dad, you know, by the shadow of a truck, of course, because a shadow can't hurt you. And when he got to the funeral, he started teaching them from Psalm 23, where it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear death because you are with me. And the person who has a relationship with the God who sits next to them doesn't even have to fear death because it's just a shadow that leads you to be with God for eternity. It can't hurt you. I want you to know in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 3, Paul writes these words. He says, All praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the source of every mercy and the God who comforts us. I want you to notice the word, the God who comforts us. In the original language in the Greek, the word is paraklesis. Paraklesis means to come alongside and to help. So he's the source of every mercy and the God who comforts us, who comes alongside us. God, the Holy Spirit, is the paraclesis. It means that he's with us. He sits next to us to help us in the times that we're going through challenges and difficulty. You know, we use the word, uh, parts of the word paraclesis in times, other times when we need some, some help. Like, for instance, if you go skydiving, and you jump out of the aeroplane and you're right free falling down right at the time 
you have a parachute which you pull and it comes alongside and helps you, saves you from danger. And it's the same kind of thing. The Holy Spirit comes alongside in your trouble to comfort you. For anyone this morning who's grieving loss of any kind, who's in any pain, who's facing difficult challenges right now, I just want to know that God knows. He he didn't just come and forgive our sins uh, just like that. He went through suffering himself. He died on the cross. He experienced the things that we experience. And, you know, uh, he knows what we're going through. The Bible calls Jesus a man of sorrows who is familiar with suffering. And, you know, uh, I want you to think about all the religions and all the different gods that people think up, but there's no other God that has come to earth and suffered and knows what it is to go through the pain and the suffering that we're going through. He did that so that now when we're facing challenges, we can know that the God who sits next to us wants to comfort us and help us. You know, I think it's indescribable that God would sit next to us, that he would choose to suffer and you know, do that so that he would be able to understand what we go through. I think he he's, has a love for us that is wider and deeper and higher than anything that you can comprehend. And he, he's an incredible God. I just want to say in conclusion here now that the truth that God is everywhere is true. There's no place where God is not. He's universally present everywhere. And he's next to you now, no matter who you are or what you believe. But it's also true that he's not equally related to everyone. See, there's a big difference between God being the heavenly father and God being your heavenly father. He doesn't want to just sit next to you. He wants to live in you. He wants to be a part of you. And when you enter into a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, and all that he's done for you on the cross, then you can experience his presence in your life daily. And he longs for that with you. Psalm 23 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. And he wants to be with you for the rest of your life. And he can, because he's done everything to be able to be in your life. He died on the cross. He tore the veil. He made a way so that you could put your trust in him, be forgiven, and have him in your life for all eternity. Have you done that? If you haven't, just want to give you an opportunity to do that today. All it is is saying, God, I don't just want you to sit next to me. I want you to be in my life. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for forgiving me. Please be my Lord and Saviour. Come in. We're going to...
pray. And uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to ask Jesus to come into your life. And we're going to thank him that he does sit next to us. He's an eyewitness in our life. That he's also you know, one who uh, comes alongside us and strengthens us. He's also one who comforts us in all that we do. Let's pray together. God, you really are indescribable. Thank you that you love us so much that you would come alongside of us. And this morning, God, we just want to thank you. Thank you for your presence. And God, now there are some people here this morning that just want to just not know about you and the facts that you are always present but want you to come into their lives and to come and have a relationship with them. God, would you just hear their prayer now? And in this time, maybe you might just want to pray, saying, God, thanks for dying on the cross for me, Lord Jesus. Thanks for forgiving me. Come into my life now. You might want to say that just quietly in these moments. God, thank you so much for people that have asked you to come into their lives. And God, thanks for the promise that you're always with us. Thanks for Peter Marshall's example. We pray that you just continue to help us to be reminded this week that right through our our day, right through our work, right through our interactions with others, that you're with us. And we lift all these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder just now if you'll take your new sheet out and uh, inside is a blue card and just love you to take that out. It'd be great if you could just fill in your details, your name and address. And it might be great today if you have a prayer request for us. We'd love to be praying with you for that this week. Um, and it could be that this morning you, you prayed that prayer. It'd be just great for you to tick, I'm receiving Jesus into my life for the first time. It could be that you uh, are wanting to join a small group as we talked earlier. You could tick that box. Why don't we just take a time to respond now together? Let's do that.